0: Back. good afternoon everybody this is the tm up sports podcast um, finally made it happen this is our first episode thanks for everyone who's tuning in uh my name is aaron and i'm joined with my good pal and sports banter specialist giovanni
1: what's going on guys happy to uh to embark on this is uh it's a great time to jump into to doing some sports talk as um you know, there's a lot going on in, in, in all of the major leagues now. So really excited to be able to chat about it with uh, with Aaron here.
0: Super, super excited. Well, enough of the, the howdy hoes and easy to do it. Let's just jump <laughs> right into it. And, it. you know, uh, we were talking a lot about the NFL yesterday, Gio, but one thing that kind of popped into the, my, my mind this morning, uh, I'm going to quiz you actually, or let's see if you can uh, remember um, just over 10 years ago, one of the greatest quotes in NFL history was given after, um, given during a press conference by Bill Belichick. What was the quote? Ooh, just Bill, over 10 years ago now.
1: Just over 10 years ago from the great Billy Belichick. Hey, oh, Wow just over 10 years ago bill belichick oh you know it's funny i'm I'm drawing a blank right now Uh, the only thing i can think about from a legendary quote right now from the nfl for some reason is kirk cousins just screaming in the camera you like that that's the only thing (laughs) that's the only thing i can think about in my brain right now so i'm sure it's something really snidey um but uh why don't you help us out here because i got nothing
0: It was the only answer he gave to a rotation of questions during the press conference, and it was, we're on to Cincinnati.
1: Uh, That's so funny. I honestly do not recall that. I don't know why. I don't know why. I know. Oh, God.
0: Just just over – yeah, go
1: ahead. You know what's funny is when it comes to Belichick, like I know he's got some legendary quotes and stuff, but and he's like obviously one of the – funnier personalities, coaching personalities in the NFL. I honestly have never really like I rarely have tuned into kind of his media availability. Just because honestly, I just ex- kind of expect it to be dry. You know, I'll pick up some clips here and there of him kind of being pissed off at questions, but you know, I, I, it's funny. I never really follow him too much, but that's uh that's kind of that's kind of on brand, I guess, for him to be I, kind I of
0: I love, I love, <laughs> I love Phil. But the context around it was, well, it's not sorry, not just over ten years ago. My bad, just over eight years ago in 2014. Um, the reason why he was saying that was during the game, the Patriots were playing the Kansas City Chiefs, and they got demolished, 41 to 14. And the conversation and the buzz around that game and after the game was, is the Patriots dynasty over? Is Tom Brady washed? Do they need to rebuild? It seemed like it awoke the Patriots because right after that game, they went on to win 10 of their remaining 12 regular season games and then went on to win the Super Bowl that season. That was eight years ago. And we were asking that question whether Tom Brady was washed. And here That's we kind of crazy. are. Here we are, eight years later. And every single season after that 2014 season, we were asking ourselves, is Tom Brady washed up? Is Tom Brady washed up? But it seemed like every single year Tom Brady had an answer or a comeback as to, you know, no, I'm not. But this season's it, it's different. The bucket years well, are looking awful. Brady is like, obviously mobility was never his strength, but right now he's, he's overthrowing receivers. He's underthrowing receivers. Timing is off. It looks like his arm strength has gone down a little bit. Gio is, is has father time, finally, finally caught up to Tom.
1: 100%. I mean, you know, it's obviously like, you know, you run the risk of, uh, of, of, with a freezing cold take, you know, like they did, uh, eight years ago by saying that he's washed. But <laughs> <laughs> the only difference this time to me is, I mean, this guy's fucking 45 years old. Um, he's 45 years old, you know, that, I, I I don't care how elite of an athlete you are, you know. I'm sure he takes incredible care of himself, like other, you know, elite athletes like Cristiano Ronaldo and, um, you know, LeBron James and whoever it may be. That's well, you know
0: a TV12 method.
1: The, you're right. Him and his uh, his trainer there. I forget the guy's name. Um, who was his like big uh, trainer?
0: Guerrero, right?
1: I think so. Yeah, I remember being. He had his own guy there who was kind of. You know making his way into the spotlight a little bit but i think honestly not to get too off topic i think it's i I mean i think the writing's on the wall here this time around and i would love for brady to prove me wrong brady can come back and he's literally 46 years old and he's going to like a super bowl and makes me look like an ass today that would be quite funny um and quite quite a topic to talk about but I don't know. He, this guy's closer to 50 than he is to 40. This guy's, you know, it's just, he's got all the weapons around him and, and it can't seem to figure it out. I mean, maybe he just needs Gronk back. Who knows?
0: Maybe. Time and time <laughs> again, because he looked this way in his last year in New England when um, he wasn't making throws. It was terrible. Everyone was like, he's done. And it's good that New you know, moving on from him. Goes to Tampa Bay, wins the Super Bowl. So, Maybe he just needs to leave Tampa. And I know yesterday we were discussing that possibly the Las Vegas Raiders could be an option, but we'll see. We'll see what's next for Tom. My I think
1: that I think the only fit Aaron for for Brady, that makes a lot of sense, at least to me. And I know I mentioned it to you yesterday was uh, was San Francisco. Um, unless they really do keep Jimmy around, which um, who knows, they might. But um, I the think
0: factor is going to be Trey Lance. Well,
1: But the thing to me is Trey Lance, you know, like, let's face it, Trey Lance has played very few NFL games, unfortunately, due to injury. And um, he's still raw, but obviously a a good talent. I think it'd be quite smart for, um, you know, Lynch and the Niners to bring in a guy like Brady to mentor this kid, show him some things for a year. um, And then, you know, maybe delay Trey Lance starting for for one more year. I mean, like I said, the kid played one NFL game this year. Um, so it, might, it actually would make sense to me from a mentorship standpoint, and I think Brady has a lot of affinity to wanting to go to to the Niners, but who knows? Maybe he'll replace uh, Derek Carr with the Raiders.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that was crazy as well, but the, o- the only thing of why I think they're going to have, not that they're going to stick with Trey Lance, they have to stick with Trey Lance, it's because they gave up so much to move up to get that third overall draft pick, the draft Lance. So I think that's part of it as well, that they traded so much to even get Lance. He is a third overall pick, and eventually his rookie contract is going to run up uh, now. And yeah, the the Niners had, they traded up um, for Lance, and they shared a bunch of picks to get him at third overall. So that added pressures there, not just on Lance, but um, on the current management uh, to ensure he performs. So, uh, you know, like from a winning now standpoint, yeah, I think Brady makes a lot of sense. But from, a, I think, a realistic standpoint, to be honest, uh, no. I don't think so. Perhaps, but yeah. Um, yeah. But Gio, I know you wanted to talk about the NHL. You wanted to talk about the loops. You wanted to talk about the trade deadline. Um, the trade deadline still is a ways away, but it seems like right now... The contenders for the Stanley Cup have kind of been set in stone. Um, the Boston Bruins, who we're going to touch about in a second, have been on a historic tear. Um, at over 800 winning percentage, they have been on fire. Um, the Maple Leafs, who have had a also tremendous start, are their records not looking as good though compared to Boston because Boston has been on just a historic tear. But the Maple Leafs look like a ten- contender. Um, The Bruins, the Hurricanes, Um, from the West, though, the Dallas Stars and the Vegas Golden Knights are looking like the clear-cut favorites over there. So, Chu, I know you wanted to talk about um, maybe top five, uh, from these top five teams, uh, needs that they can possibly uh, address from the trade deadline and maybe who they can acquire.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's – it's been an interesting interesting year so far. I mean, no one expected a Boston to be on the tear that they're on, but these guys just won't lose and it's as a Leaf as a Leaf fan, it's pissing me right off. So, I would love for Boston to mix in a dry spell here, but um it just doesn't seem to be doesn't seem to be the case. Um but yeah, you know, in terms of these top teams here, I mean, obviously it's it's a buyers market for for any NHL teams that are um, at the top of the standing, especially the top five here, we have Boston, Carolina, Toronto, Vegas, and Dallas. Um, at this point in time, I would be I would I would think that the first four there, Boston, Carolina, Toronto, Vegas, are probably gonna stay stay in that area whereas Dallas, I think, is mm, maybe less of a guarantee. Um, right. I'm, not, I'm not as high on them. but you know starting with some Canadian content and, and my boys here, toronto maple leafs um they've been just playing fantastic through um quite a bit of injuries here i mean they haven't had their top three defensemen for the bulk of the season morgan riley jake muzzin obviously out long term and then tj brody's been out for a while They, sheldon keith has done an amazing job you know basically operating with uh half an ahl defense they've been taking down the big guys and um, you know, I really think there's something different about the Leafs moving forward here with Sheldon Keefe, the, the goaltending, Murray Marion Samsonov has been unreal. And, um, you know, as long as they stay healthy, I think you'll see, hopefully Toronto, uh, take a, sw- uh, a pretty good swing here, um, at a top six forward. Um, and I think they might also be looking, uh, to upgrade their defense. Um, so there's a little bit of, of debate there as to which direction they should go or, or if they should do both. Um, uh, I, I'm of the mind that, um. You know, on the defensive side of things, that they, there may be a depth move there um, and perhaps maybe a little bit more of a rugged defenseman um, to come in during the playoffs and handle the physicality. I think a guy like Luke Shen from Vancouver uh, oh, looks like a good pick. Yeah, Luke Shen, the Toronto <laughs> former legend. <laughs> Coming home, baby.
0: Who was saying, I, I don't know if it was Brian Perk, but someone was saying Luke Shen could be a captain of an NHL team. And I was like, oh, my goodness, my
1: he, you know Luke Shen is I think he could be a captain of a bad NHL team I think, or a team like Arizona where the expectations are low and he's a good character guy who works hard and um, stands up for his teammates but you know I don't think he's your ideal pick for for necessarily a, a top gun team um, but he definitely has those leadership qualities that and Brian Burke's gonna defend Luke Shen to to, to the end because this guy, he had a chance to get John Tavares in the draft, actually, Brian Burke, a fun little story. And um, Toronto was choosing fifth overall in the 2008 NHL draft, and John Tavares was the consensus number one. Uh, Brian Burke was trying to move up to get Tavares, but ultimately uh, denied doing a deal because it would have cost him Luke Shen. Uh, so... Oh, So he, it's funny, things might all come around in circle here. Luke Shen might come back home. John Tavares obviously is home in Toronto. But yeah, a guy like Luke Shen, um, I think Toronto might also be looking at names like Vladislav Gavrikov out of Columbus, also kind of a bigger, tougher defenseman that might swallow up those minutes. But the big one here for me, guys, I think is going to be the forward. I think Toronto's really going to maybe try to just get another game breaker out front. I think... You've heard the name Ryan O'Reilly linked with Toronto, um, out of St. Louis, if they continue to do poorly, but quite honestly, I can't think of a better story unless Bo Horvat, um, from our local Vancouver Canucks, uh, Aaron and I are both located in the Vancouver area. Um, yeah, I think Bo Horvat would be probably the one of the fits for Toronto. Um, you know, this guy would probably slot in at center and move John Tavares to the wing um with on a line with Marner so you might see an absolutely dynamic offense coming out of Toronto um and those other teams I mean yeah like not to spend too much time on this on this segment um I'll just touch real quick I think Boston has shown basically zero issues in their game um it's quite actually insane to see I don't even know where they would even have to upgrade um but i think they might be looking for like every other team in the league everyone needs wants defensemen you know you want to have that depth going yeah. into the playoffs i think they could actually even um really benefit by having another you know decent partner um you know you got Char- charlie mcavoy and Hampus lindholm leading the charge up on uh, with the defensemen but maybe getting a nice solid number four on the right side would be a good pick and lastly um vegas i think we will well um they're an interesting team too i mean their goaltending has really held up but might be starting to show a little bit of uh regression um
0: well yeah you know. i was i was actually watching the ducks and golden knights last night and oh my goodness lost lost some more money yesterday on the bloody vegas golden knights <laughs> <laughs> you're so coming actually, in hot here they they seem to dominate teams from the shots on goal perspective and just overall greatness and grandness, but then it just it just shuts down a goal with Trace Thompson, so it'll be interesting for the Golden Knights. And that's always been the problem for them. They always outshoot teams, they always outwork teams, but they just can't get over that hump. So, well, I think they'll look see- for
1: uh, yeah, I think that's a good point. I think they'll look for a top six forward maybe to to help you know be a little bit more offensively efficient. But they also might look to bulk up the right side on defense. One of their mainstays back there is Zach Whitecloud, who averages approximately 17 minutes a game is, is out on long-term IR. So uh, I don't see them going for a goalie. Um, I think maybe, you you know, I don't know, like if you trust Logan Thompson to carry you, I think he's done a pretty good job as of right now. His stats are pretty decent, but I could see them maybe adding a veteran guy from a team that's really quite, you know, trying to, trying to scrap it all. And, um, you know, you might, they might look to, yeah, I don't even know who they might look at, to be honest, um, yeah. of team. But you have to look at the bottom of the standings there, see if they might want to um, take a swing at a guy for a little bit more more depth, uh, a little bit more safety net there. Maybe they'll look at a guy like Jonas Corposalo or Elvis Merzlikens. But I doubt that. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's kind of what I think will kind of probably happen with the the NHL deadline. I think you'll see a lot of movement. Um but I think you'll see a lot of deals that will be with for players on expiring contracts just due to the uncertainty of that NHL salary cap. We don't know if it's, I think it's actually due to the last um, Board of Governors meeting, according to uh, some sources out of there, that the salary cap that they had expected to occur in the offseason uh, is not going to be as high as they once thought. So it might only go oh, up a million bucks. Yeah, so you might see some rentals as opposed to guys with term. Um, I know Toronto likes to get guys with term, according to Kyle Dubas. So we'll see. Hopefully, we have uh, the Stanley Cup coming back to Canada because um, that's where it belongs in uh, on Young Street.
0: It's gonna be it's gonna be, it's gonna be thirty years. Thirty uh, years. Since that's the 1993 just 1993 Montreal Canadiens. So. What an
1: unfortunate stat that is. But yeah, that's kind of where hockey seems to kind of. Be at this point in time, but I know Aaron. You wanted to cover a little bit, moving gears into some college football, I believe.
0: Yeah, but before I do that, I want to kind of talk about the Bruins. Um, okay, the of Bruins course, have been on a they've been on an amazing, amazing fuck those
1: story. guys. But yeah,
0: twenty-seven four and 56 points in thirty-three games. Uh, so they're they're on fire. Uh, like I said, they have over eight hundred win percentage. Um, only six teams, though. Geo and Angel But yeah, the Bruins have been like a significantly historic start, even though, Gio, I know you love the Bruins, but only six teams in NHL history have finished with points percentage of, you know, 800 or better. The last time it happened in a full season, though, was 45 years ago. Um, Of course, with the mid 70s Montreal Canadiens, they went 59, 10 and 11 129 points, and, and that was in
1: an era. Just to point out, where goalies were basically wearing cardboard for pads. So,
0: <laughs> exactly,
1: that's, that's insane that they're on a pace in this generation and this era. That's just crazy to me.
0: Well, 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 the last time it happened, the last time it happened, Gio, was in the lockout-short in the 2012-13 season with my Chicago Blackhawks, finished wow. with a record of 36 wins, seven losses, five. OT losses for 77 points, uh, unbelievable games. Um, The closest it's been, and I think this is kind of fair to the 95 Detroit Red Wings. They had 131 points that season, and their (laughs) their point percentage was .799. So they were basically there. Ah, that's a tough
1: one. (laughs) Yeah,
0: but you know, looking at the other side of the spectrum, from historic starts to historic not so good starts the bottom feeders like Chicago and the Ottawa's, they're going to be in for an interesting draft lottery with big Connor Bedard.
1: Oh my goodness. First
0: overall. And he's been on a tear during the world juniors. Um, This kid,
1: he is something else, Aaron. Like I, you know, he's, they were comparing actually statistics today and he's even off to more prolific start than the NHL's best current player in Connor McDavid. Um, he had a seven point night against Germany, a goal and an assist in his first game in the loss to Czechia. This kid is the real deal. He's a generational talent. He is another McDavid. He's another Matthews. Um, I'm just, I I just hope this kid stays out of the East, Uh, stay out of the, uh, stay out of the Atlantic. Um, as long as he doesn't come into Ottawa or even worse, Montreal. I mean, this kid is special. This draft is special. There's some big names to look out for here. Adam Fantili is another great prospect, um, playing in college a, a big kid too. So the 2023 NHL draft has definitely a lot of, um, hype around it as it should, but none, none more than, than Connor McDavid. This kid is game changing. Um, and gosh. Like I said, stay away from the Atlantic and I'll cheer for the kid. But he's right now, according to the current standings, I believe that your Chicago Blackhawks have the highest odds. Is that is that what I'm seeing here? My,
0: My Chicago Blackhawks do have the highest odds Had a fantastic record of eight wins, 21 losses and four overtime losses. And walking 20 points in 33 games, that you have the highest odds at Connor Bedard with the Columbus Blue Jackets, right up there. Till.
1: That is, oh, well, you know what? I'll um, I'll support you on that. I don't mind at all if he goes to Chicago. Stay away well, from Toronto.
0: and we're Well, good. Jude, it kind of leads me to the poll question of the day, and um, guys, do give us a follow a Twitter handle: up Pod. Uh, we'll be posting our daily poll questions there. And we would like um, or enjoy for you guys to kind of get involved in it. But our poll question for the day is, Joe, what's been the most important slash most impactful draft pick for a franchise in sports history? So I've given four options for hockey. I've given Mario Lemieux. um, For basketball, uh, Michael Jordan. For football, Tom Brady. And then for baseball, Derek Jeter. And to just kind of get some context behind it, you know, Pittsburgh was literally going into bankruptcy before they drafted Mario Lemieux. And Mario Lemieux gave them Stanley Cups, um, gave them a whole bunch of image in the 90s and uh, 2000s. But I think most importantly, he saved the Penguins from bankruptcy again in the early, early 2000s by actually buying the Penguins. And since then, they've drafted Sidney Crosby and now they've they're a pillar of the NHL. Um, so that's unreal for the Bulls I mean the Bulls weren't really doing much until they drafted Michael and I think we all know what he's done for them same thing with Tom the Patriots weren't really doing much either as a franchise as a whole and then it was interesting because Jeter was drafted to the Yankees at a time where the Yankees weren't being the Yankees where they weren't really winning championships they weren't top of the league in the early 90s they weren't really doing much and then Jeter kind of well it started the whole we we love the Yankees again. So <laughs> Yeah. I think for I think for me it, it's it has to be Mary Love you but but who do you who do you think?
1: Now I'll ask you, Aaron, and I'll see if you can read my mind. Um what is the one difference from one of those guys from the rest?
0: What's the- uh, let me use French. <laughs> <laughs> <I do>. uh, <laughs> that is, that's
1: is—that's actually a fair shout, but no, that wasn't what I was thinking. Uh,
0: well, I, I think I know what you're going to say is that Jeter is not really a legendary player compared to those guys. That's what first comes to my mind.
1: You know, it's interesting. Uh, interesting shout, but no, that was not what I was going to say. What I was going to say is every single one of those players that you listed were top picks in the first round they were they were hyped as um game changers they were hyped as um franchise altering assets and they were brought in with the expectation that they would develop um into what they could develop into i mean you look at the seasons that they had, like, like for example, um, Mario Lemieux coming out of um, cutting coming out of junior hockey. I mean, we all know that Mario Lemieux is arguably top three, top two, maybe to some um, NHL player of all time. But this kid was coming out of the QMJHL, making it look like a ridiculously stupid league. This guy had 282 points in his, in 70 games <laughs> in his last year. That is
0: that is and, unreal.
1: You will never see numbers like that again, nor should you. So these guys, what I'm trying to say is is Jeter at sixth overall. Um, uh, Mario Lemieux, I mean, coming in at uh, number one overall. Um, Michael Jordan coming in at number, um, three. number three overall. And then there's Tom Brady. <laughs> and to, then there's Tom Brady, who we all know for his 40-yard uh, dash, looking like a dad uh, at a barbecue. But um, Tom, <laughs> Tom Brady, um, I mean, this guy came in as a, as not like a guaranteed elite, elite quarterback. This guy is a sixth round pick, picked at 199th overall. And for what he has done, I, for what he was expected to do based off draft position, based off coming into the league, to me is the most, impressive and astonishing stat i mean you can make the argument that he was made by belichick but that kind of goes moot after he went to the bucks and also won a super bowl there so as much as i'm not really a huge brady fan i don't have any ill will against the guy but it's not like i'm a brady lover or anything like that to me that is one of the most insane transformations um for for a club for a franchise, just for the ba- the the fact that he came in, not having that hype, not having that expectation, but still rose to the top as the greatest of all time. To me, is 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 the most impressive. And let's face it, he's got the most Super Bowls of all time in one of the most decorated sports in in America. So that's that's my pick.
0: Interesting, yeah. Like Tom. Tom, there's, oh gosh, there's so much we can say about him, but um we could probably spend the whole hour talking about Tom Brady and what he's done for the Patriots and the NFL. And for people who think that just because they're drafted in the later rounds, they don't have a shot. Uh, he proved a lot of people wrong. Uh, right. 198 picks to be exactly people wrong. <laughs>
1: oh, <laughs> 198
0: yeah. opportunities. Um uh, yet, yeah, I wanted to talk about some college football, but first, um, We got to touch on Zion Williamson because last night, the Pelicans looked dead in the water down against the Minnesota Timberwolves and Zion Williamson proceeds to score the Pelicans' final 13 points in regulation, including a huge steal um, to steal that game against um, the Minnesota Timberwolves. And after the game, D'Angelo Russell was asked about Zion and he said, it's literally not fair. Zion's out here playing football. We're here to play basketball. We can't even touch him because it's a foul. And, <laughs> and that's what it looks like out there sometimes. I mean, you can't really fault Zion because he's literally a modern-day Shaquille O'Neal. Um, but my goodness, um, who in the world is going to stop Zion Williams? So that's going to be the question uh, that's going to have to be answered. And with the Pelicans on a mission right now, and if Zion stays healthy, Gio, I think the Pelicans can make the NBA Finals
1: really that's an interesting I, shout i mean it's uh I, I wouldn't say that i'm i disagree with you but just based off recency with this organization it's not a, a, a team name that you would have thrown into the ring ever <laughs> in the past I, um yeah. so yeah i mean then the nuggets look good out of uh out of um the, we- the western conference there but yeah i mean you could m- maybe make a case for the grizzlies and jump around but I agree with you. Um, to me, the most impressive thing, though, Aaron, about Zion is the way this guy's career started. I mean, he was coming in just injury-riddled. I mean, this guy couldn't find any time on the court. And, I, I you know, there was to- um, talk about this guy possibly being a bust at one point just yeah. due to the fact that he could not stay healthy and he just couldn't get on the court. But, I mean, this the way this guy played at Duke, this guy – you know, we all knew he was something special um, and he just dominated in the NCAA. And now he's doing what he is meant to do in the NBA. And it's actually, I really like seeing this guy come in and be a face of the game because he did go through a lot in the first years of his career, but in the NBA, at least. And um, to answer your question, man, I don't think there is anyone that can stop this guy. I think he just can contain him. Um, but other than that, it's it's awesome to see, and it's pretty impressive.
0: Well, it's it's interesting because he's being a face of the league on a small market team like the Pelicans, and he stressed his importance of wanting to stay in New Orleans and build something there, kind of like awesome. what Giannis. Giannis is doing in Milwaukee, and how John ja is doing in Memphis. So. And
1: Damian Lillard, don't forget Dame.
0: And oh god. The
1: the loyal the loyal Damien Lillard. Uh,
0: He's 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 a bit too loyal. But it kind of it kind of brings me to the next point that I wanted to talk about is are the Nuggets wasting Jokic's golden years? And this is, you know, Luka Doncic who put up a nasty stat line a couple days ago. 60 points, 21 rebounds, 10 assists. Well, Jokic put up uh, like a similar stat line a couple of days ago as well. He put he put up I think he put up thirty boards and forty points or something, and he's I think the odds on or second odds on favorite to win his third MVP in a row. It, oh, it sure man. seems like the Nuggets are wasting Jokic's talents right now. Are, are not utilizing it. And it seems like this is a trap a lot of teams fall into where they don't utilize their superstars talents until they start trending downward and then realize, oh, I got to find talent. And I don't think this is just restricted to the small market teams. So when I was thinking about this, you know, as soon as the Lakers traded Shaquille O'Neal in the early uh, mid 2000s, they had prime, prime, prime Kobe Bryant for like a three, four year stretch. Man, 05 to 07, Kobe Bryant was, like, a top three player in NBA history. Like, maybe even the greatest player in NBA history. He was, that was an 81-point game, 62 points in three quarters against the Mavericks. Like, this guy was amazing. But the Lakers were putting Dumbledores around him. Like, they were, he had nobody around. And it, it took, it, it took, Kobe Bryant demanding a trade out of Los Angeles and almost signing with the Chicago Bulls for the Lakers to finally make a trade for Pal Gasol. And what happened? It got them two championships. You know, it also happened with the Celtics where they almost fumbled a bag with Paul Pierce and then got Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett. Like, you know, OKC tried their best, but Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook and Serge Ibaka, they fumbled that bag as well. The Rockets tried their best, but couldn't really with James Harden. Like, you know, it's – I'm not too sure. I'm not too yeah. sure what more than – you know, someone who really did, though, a good job and realized they have a really good core was was Masai Ujiri. He had a really, really good core, but realized he could not win a title with DeMar DeRozan as their best player, made the big, biggest gamble possibly in NBA history by training – this franchise cornerstone for one year of a hobbled Kawhi Leonard at 11th in NBA title.
1: So, and, and that's just it, man. It's um, those are all really good points. And um, you know, the thing that's interesting in the NBA and, and I think this does pertain to other sports, but I think none more than the NBA where really lo- like the definition of loading up in the NBA, I think stands alone. And I think, you know, you see it all the time with, uh, with certain teams that just go all in. Um, and sometimes you have to do these moves that not only are, are risky, but like you said, the Kawhi Leonard, like, for example, I don't think you would ever see that in the NHL as an example. I don't think you would ever really see a guy trade for a year of, uh, you know, an elite player, um, and trade away their best player cornerstone player prospect and all that stuff. Like, it just seems like a lot of these professional leagues maybe don't have the stomach to make those bold moves, but the NBA is one, as we know, is one of those leagues where super teams are still very much, you know, in the making. Um, So when it comes to Nikola Jokic, I think you're right in the sense that I don't, wouldn't say they're necessarily wasting his career. I'd say that they would be, or wasting his prime. I think that they would be, I would probably say that they were doing that more. So, um, if they were, you know, really struggling out of the playoffs, but let's face it, they're still, you know, a top, a top team in the NBA, one of the top teams in the Western conference, but in terms of, from a championship pedigree, I think that they do definitely need to make a bold move, um, and just kind of do something to put themselves over the top, like Masai Ujiri did like the LA Lakers have been trying to do with LeBron, Russ and Davis. Um, like the golden state warriors have done with clay Thompson, Steph Curry, uh, Draymond green, um, and you know, that core and and the core that they've had there, although that's a little bit more impressive because those guys were actually homegrown. Um, but yeah, 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 I think you're right. I think that there has to be, if Denver wants to actually utilize this time of Jokic's prime, which is, they may never get a player like that ever again. And well, you don't, I don't want to wait. think
0: waste the that. NBA is going to see like a player like them.
1: Um, oh, absolutely. In,
0: in the history of the game. And I think it's time now to bring up our stat of the day. Um, Let's Jokic, hear it. Jokic recorded um, the fourth ever 40 point, 15 rebound, 15 assist game in NBA history, joining Oscar Robertson, who did it twice back in 1961, 1962. And Gio, I'm let you guess this person. One other person, he recorded a forty-point, fifteen-assist, fifteen-rebound game. He did this in 2016, and he's a guard.
1: In 2016, so that is, uh, uh, you know, what's crazy is that is 2016 is like seven years ago. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, and he's a guard, hey.
0: And he's a guard. Western okay. Conference at the time.
1: Oh, God. Okay. Hmm.
0: He's still playing in the league.
1: I'm going to go with – was it James Harden?
0: It was James Harden. Wow. And that's a throwback, but he was um, – abusing wow. rules on the Houston Rockets. <laughs>
1: just doing his own thing as usual.
0: <laughs> you know what's funny? Usually with all these funky stats you see, yeah, so Jokic has done it once, Robert's done it twice, Harden's done it once, and oh yeah, Wolf Chamberlain was done it like thirty five times. I yeah, know <laughs> <This is> ridiculous <laughs> these
1: older guys yeah. just making them look pedestrian
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was that was the thing with Doncic's 60.20 rebound tennis this game the reason everyone is super super hyped about it was not even wilt had done it before like wilt has like a thousand 40.20 rebound games but never a 60.20 rebound game so that makes Doncic's performance that much more impressive
1: good god um,
0: geo news out of the nfl with russell wilson um or sorry, Nathaniel Hackett getting fired from the Denver Broncos in Russell Wilson's press conference the next day um, saying, quote, he could have played better, unquote, under Nathaniel Hackett. Um, it's, yeah, definitely it's, could it, have played better. <laughs> he's got, Russell Wilson has gone to the point where he is taking responsibility for, you know, the firing of Nathaniel Hackett, but he's gotten himself to the point of so much hate and disrespect from, fans you know journalists and more importantly his peers he's gotten so much hate from that people are clowning on him that even now he is taking responsibility it's it's hilarious what he's done to himself and his reputation
1: yeah it's it's kind of a you're damned if you do if you're damned if you don't right now situation for us um and honestly the only way that he can find you know dig his way out of this is i mean we know this season is is over for them but You know he needs to he needs to bounce back in a big 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 way next season um for him to basically you know regain any credibility at this point like you said he's really his reputation has gone down the gutter mostly for his own doing and mostly deserved i mean some stuff you know fans can get pretty ridiculous about and you know just clearly have a vendetta against this guy but for the most part he's done it to himself um with obnoxious interviews and his ego getting in the way and yeah it's 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 a real tough thing for for the broncos man they're locked into uh, wilson he's locked into them there's no really getting out of this situation um basically for the duration of his contract i mean there's there's the cap implications are just so so severe that they they have to make it work one way or another um and i think you'll Yeah, man, let's if I'm if I'm the Broncos, I'm just let's pray, you know, (laughs) let's pray pray because this is this is one of this could turn out to be the worst deal of all time in the NFL if it continues the way it's it's going right now. Um, So we'll see what they do. I think that I think I don't know what you think uh, on this, but I think that they definitely need to add some maybe some more veteran leadership, um, some more leaders that can maybe help Russell in the sense that I feel like maybe Russell has this, this kind of complexion or this, this thought process that he needs to be kind of this team's like all in out leader. And that like, you know, put this team on my back and I'm the guy, but I think if you can surround him with other guys that can maybe take that pressure and load off um, you might be able to mend the relationship with uh, some of the other guys in the, in the locker room there and not just have Russell, you know, we're also doing jumping jacks on an airplane um, might be <laughs> not well, the worst yeah, thing. And,
0: and it's funny because a, the entire Seattle fan base was warning kind of the rest of the league. You know, traditionally teams in the West Coast don't get the um, notoriety or coverage that the remainder of the United States teams do, especially on the East Coast. Uh, right, and, right. Right, so, and, you know, they, they they've seen this with Seahawks, it was um, go Hawks. After every press conference, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Right. Go Hawks. And now it's Broncos bonkers country. Let's ride. And so it's I, the Seahawks fans are not surprised at all. I mean the rest of the league is. But, like, the Broncos' defense this year, besides their disaster against big Baker Mayfield and the Rams, they've been dominant. Dominant the entire season. Like, Russell literally just had to be below average. He's been... He's been worse than, you know what? He's been worse actually, statistically, than Zach Wilson in a lot of aspects this year, which is it's, mind blowing.
1: It's mind so blowing. funny you say that, man, because I was just about to say the one parallel of that that argument for me is Zach Wilson and the Jets is where the defense was really strong for most of the year. Now they've definitely tailed off, but that's just that goes to show you that a, de- a dominant defense is great and all, but if you can't keep your offense on the field and make some damage, eventually that well-oiled machine is going to crash on the defensive side of the ball. And that's what we're seeing with the – we saw with the Broncos against the Rams. The Jets' defense couldn't do it because Zach Wilson would stay on the field for about, you know, 30 seconds, and then basically they're back on the field again. So, yeah, you're you're absolutely – it's mind-boggling how good their defense was, the Broncos, and how Russell Wilson literally could not support them at all.
0: Yeah. Well, Gio, you know what's funny about Zach Wilson and the New York Jets is the New York Jets weren't supposed to get Zach Wilson, and I got to you got to track back here a little bit to December twentieth of twenty twenty, the New York Jets going in week fifteen were 13. they were gonna they weren't gonna win a game, right, and were right, and they, were and they won that they <laughs> the were Lions. No, they were playing the nine and four La Rams.
1: Oh, you're right, Mr. Rams. Yeah.
0: And then they ended up beating the for Rams.
1: no reason. For well, no reason. And for no win,
0: reason. With that win, they leapfrogged the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the Jags Absolutely ended up ridiculous. the worst team in the league. And with that worst pick, they got the first pick in the draft and they drafted. Trevor Lawrence,
1: who's now looking like the stud that we all expect him to be. He's finally kind of coming into his own. And I think he's going to join the, the, that group of elite young quarterbacks, like Justin Herbert, um, even guys like Mahomes and, and, um, you know, some of the, the other good young QBs in this league. I think he's definitely going to carve his way into that conversation. Zach Wilson, uh, is not, (laughs) and will never. And you know what's funny about that draft, Aaron. not to spend too much time on this but i remember watching that draft and if there's one thing that our listeners you know need to know you'll got like i said you guys will will definitely know you know who we support as the podcast goes on but you know for me i'm a packers fan through and through but i've always had a soft spot for the jets and wanted to see them kind of bounce back a little bit that draft i was hoping that they would take justin fields and we know Justin Fields is, is definitely not uh, a finished product either. There's a lot of development there and a lot of work that he does. But let me tell you, he looks a lot better than Zach Wilson right now.
0: Yeah, Zach Wilson's reminding me a lot of Mitchell Trubisky, who is um, a North reminds guy. me of Johnny
1: Manziel. That's who he reminds me of. Oh my well,
0: <laughs> I think this brings us back to the point where we can't it's, – it's a tough, tough take, but Zach Wilson was from BYU. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky was from North Carolina. Uh, these colleges don't really necessarily play the toughest schedule uh, on their calendar during their seasons, so um, like you got to be extra careful drafting um, a quarterback that's not in a Power Five conference or that's not you know like at Bama, in Ohio State, Oklahoma, LSU, those sort of um, power colleges. Because yeah, like zach and i was watching a video just before we hopped on today of, of zach wilson and you know that one that one combine throw he's running to the left and throws it to his right, right. like 60 yards so i American. was watching um another one of malik willis doing the exact same thing exact same thing Look at malik willis. I, I mean it is his rookie year but he is looking terrible even though i think the system's not right for him he is looking awful
1: he really is he and i feel bad for the kid and that that's just it i totally agree with you on that i think especially with some of those colleges out in the East, you gotta be really wary of um, the statistical out, outpour or, out, or performance that these guys have. Although it can be impressive, you almost gotta, you gotta do a lot more digging before you you know put your, your franchise's hopes into those guys. Cause like you said, the scheduling and just the, the overall, um, I guess, um, significance and um, impressiveness um of what they're doing may not translate well to the NFL and we've seen that. I mean <laughs> man, yeah. yeah. Zach Wilson, unfortunately, this guy might be CFL bound, and I don't even know, even know if he's uh if he's even worthy of that at this
0: point, <laughs> which is tough. CFL bound. Well um speaking of the CFL and I think since we're running out of time we might have to push the college football talk to tomorrow. But um on our podcast we are you know, fans, kind of, not really, of the CFL. We will be doing a Nathan Rourke tracker. Nathan Rourke on his way to the NFL. BC Lions boy. Uh, we're so, so proud of him over here. Nathan Rourke is expected to sign an NFL contract early into the new year.
1: Wow. Uh, what a beauty. Amazing. And I'm so happy for him, man. A,
0: oh, so, so happy for Nathan Rourke. Uh, for anyone that really cares, I mean, we don't care about what <laughs> you guys really care about, but I care about Nathan Rourke. <laughs> I care about Nathan Rourke. um The Buccaneers are interested in him. Um, the Raiders, the Chargers, the Jags, the Broncos, the um, the Vikings, the Cardinals, and the Colts. So um, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. He is looking to. Um, Find a backup role. So fight for a backup role. And it's not realistic that he starts, but uh he absolutely lit up the CFL um this oh, season. Man. And yeah, maybe maybe the you know the BC Lions can pull a pull a trade off with the Jets, you know, trade <laughs> trade Zach Wilson for Nathan Rourke in a one for one deal or something. I think like Zach Wilson trade. would would truly enjoy that.
1: Right, right. I think uh and yeah, Aaron and I actually we attended um the CFL Western Conference semifinal, and we got to see R- Rourke in action. And um, yeah, this kid, I mean, it's always hard to to tell if a guy's going to translate from the CFL to the NFL. I mean, there's some names that definitely have, like a Cam Wake um, and, and players. I'm sure there's a, a number of other players that I'm drawing a blank on as well. But I, I just wish the best for this kid. I'm shocked that the New York Jets are not one of those teams um, looking for this kid to back up. Um, which is ironic that we talk about Zach Wilson and the Jets because I think he'd be a great fit there and might even be able to to start some games there depending on which way they go. But wherever Nathan Rourke goes, um, all the best to, to the local kid here from Victoria, BC. Um, why not join the Packers? Maybe Love and Rourke can, uh, oh, God. can turn the ship here while Aaron Rodgers and, um, can, can go get himself immunized again.
0: Oh yeah. Jordan, Jordan love is looking fantastic though. I am excited to be, I'm excited,
1: man. I think he's, uh, I think he's going to be a good quarterback. We'll see though.
0: It it fully depends on how long Aaron Rodgers is going to want to play because what can happen is, you know, the uh, half quarters or full quarter sample size that Jordan love gave definitely enticed NFL teams. So if Rogers says, Hey, Green Bay, I'm fully committed to you for another three years. You know, you could definitely they're not Jordan Lab is not gonna stay there for three years sitting as a backup. He's gonna want to out. So
1: I am on Rogers out, man. I think that's uh I think Rogers can go join I think honestly Rogers would <laughs> I think we could definitely see him go to Vegas, um and join up with Devontae Adams. That would make a ton of sense. Um for me at least. Um thinking because I as a Packers fan, I'm kinda over this Rogers guy. I mean, I've never liked him <laughs> as a guy really. He's kind of a loser, but been a great quarterback, but I think it's time to see what the future has and open up that cap space and, and, and see what else we can do.
0: God and and with that being said, we are out of time uh, today. Gio, amazing first episode. Thank you for everyone who was tuning in. We are going to be putting that poll question up on our Twitter so please please we want to hear what you have to think of who is the most impactful/ most important draft pick in the history of. Of, of sports, uh, whether it's the new Jordan Brady or Jeter, we'd love to hear back. Um, and hey, we'll be here ready again tomorrow with the new poll question, new topics. We're going to be touching up on some college football with the college football playoff. Uh, love it, starting on New Year's Eve. So you and I will throw some NFL playoff predictions out tomorrow, and also we're going to talk about Carlos Correa. Who might? Who the Mets might back out of that deal? Where the Giants have already backed out, the Mets they might not back out. What's going on with this guy? What's happening? What's with his
1: his medicals, man? We're gonna jump into that.
0: We'll jump into that tomorrow. Uh, Thank you so much, guys, and same time tomorrow we'll see you guys then.
1: Thank you, guys. Adios.